All right, welcome to the Armchair Commanders podcast. My name is John. And I'm Jack. And this week, we are continuing our submarine theme of back-to-back hot sub-on-sub action with the 2002 film Below. And Jack, I fucking hate you. Love you too, buddy. So in my defense, I did give you a choice of how many movies. Two. You gave me two movies. Two movies. And you just happened to zero in on this one. So this was on you in a roundabout way. You know you know my weakness for submarine films. Yeah, you just can't help but go down on them. Yeah. But um For those who are curious, my my other choice was Overlord, which is the zombies during D-Day movie. I just wanted to watch a spooky movie for once, some supernatural shit, you know? Um, Spooky, spooky, spooky. And to bring any of our new listeners up to speed, DP, my gracious co-host, just can't resist anything that's long, hard, and full of semen. So he just loves submarines. (laughs) He also likes dick. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> yeah, I got you. You know, you made White Claw go up my nose. <laughs> Why are you drinking White Claw? That's on you, man. There ain't no laws when you're drinking claws, man. <laughs> yes. Yes, there are. <laughs> there weren't any fucking laws in this film. They just did whatever the fuck they wanted. Man. This was certainly well it wasn't scary i'll put it that much the what i do know about this movie is somebody described it as u571 meets poltergeist which well actually that was on that was on the fucking you're right it was on the poster which it it wasn't that on either accounts really there was really no there was there really wasn't any hot sub on sub action on in this one was there like maybe no. yes there was a depth charging scene but i don't count that no there wasn't there wasn't a hot sub on sub action just the just the depth charging that's one trope we really ought to have like a checklist of sub films and depth charges should be at the front along with black cook and a head-on shot that would be impossible in real life. Right. But unlike U571, this black cook had nothing. Like, no fucking lines, like no just, characterization there. there in the background. He yeah. doesn't even, like, he doesn't even fit the horror film trope of dying first. No, he doesn't. He dies and the hydrogen goes up, doesn't he? Yeah, when, like, two-thirds the crew dies. Shut that door! I'll shut it with your fucking face! (laughs) Fucking A. I gotta say, the submarine seemed rather spacious. Might might have just been my own perceptions, but... American subs were a bit roomier than German subs. To make room for all the uh, fucking children's toys, I had yep. to, I had to look it up because there's a scene 
where this guy is looking through a fucking viewfinder. Like, did you ever have a viewfinder as a kid? Yes. But I don't so like because I couldn't find any of the views. So like I saw that and I'm like, no way. So I I had to Google it. And you know what? Kudos to this fucking film because I learned something from it. But apparently the viewfinder was uh, first brought about in like the 20s or 30s. So it's not outside the realm of possibility that a sailor on a submarine would have a viewfinder. It's just, I was immediately, I was like, why do they have a piece of shit 90s toy on board this submarine? They had, they had, their, uh, in Django Unchained, there's a scene where one of them's playing with a viewfinder. Yeah, but that's like one of the, like, the old school, like, single card ones, not the, like, click, click, like, rotating. True. Also, what the fuck is with, uh, I'm just going to call him Special Agent Bill Tench because uh, his name is Holt McCallany, but he was an FBI agent in the uh, Netflix series Mindhunter. He was, he was the, the guy that kept playing with the yo-yo. Uh. I just such a weird prop to have as like your thing like in war films we have like oh they're like there's the guy with the cigarette or the guy the guy that whistles or whatever but like his fucking thing was the yo-yo and i was just it was so distracting for me we all gotta have our thing sometimes that's yo-yos also he uh you know we we just with our last episode where we did U571, uh, you know, we talked about another submarine trope, which is the like the officer casually eating while it's a high tension moment. And he both completes that. Uh, what the f- fuck is the word? What's the word, Jack? Word. The word for something that shows up in films a lot. Cliche. Trope. Yeah, the trope. So we get the, like, officer eating trope. And he, like, busts open a sardine can in the middle of, like, a uh, depth charging scene. And I was like, God, that is so gross. Hey, gotta have an anchovy or sardine. A fish. What did you, what did you think of his death though? I, I found it rather comical. I get why he didn't kill me. Cause I, he didn't have to bang. <laughs> I think just, all the screws come loose. Yeah. He realizes that like, yes, the ship is indeed haunted. So he just swims outside and then gets impaled on the submarine oh i'm thinking about a different guy but yeah that death oh man what a fucking way to go he didn't even have air just frantically swimming then impaled by the ship and he's still there at the end of the movie i just i think that like granted i i didn't have like super high expectations of 
realism and or accuracy from U571 meets Poltergeist. But the fact that these guys can freely go to and fro inside and outside of the submarine while they're underwater really bugged the shit out of me. Yeah, that um, wasn't really realistic, but whatever. Like, don't get me wrong, like, there are submarines today that have, uh, like, water lock chambers and whatnot, but, like, that's that's not a thing that's happening on a sub in World War II. I mean, we see the beginning of it with a thing called the escape trunk, but that's literally just so, like, if they bottom out in a shallow area, they could have a chance at escaping. It's not so they can, like head on outside and start doing repairs. And it's like, no, like, fuck you. Yeah, fuck you. Oh, I did. I did appreciate the, uh, I will say, even though this movie is cheesy and it's not even really all that well done, I, and it's not even all that scary either. Because, like, even the jump scares don't even really get you. But... The I appreciated what they were trying to do with why the sub was cursed. Like it was it was a fun little who done it, like you know, the the main characters got to do their like, what is going on here? You're way out of fucking line. <laughs> That's my favorite part of the movie when they're inside the bulkhead fixing that shit. And then Wally just wants to scare the other guy. And he's like, you know, I hear the sealed in some mechanics when they were fixing the bulkhead. Never heard from them again. Wally, you are so fucking out of line with that shit. But <laughs> like, so there, there is some good lines in this movie, but the... I, I actually did enjoy the premise, which is like, and obviously you can tell from the very beginning, like, yeah, the captain didn't die on accident. He got f- fucking murdered. Um, but the whole like, I don't know, that was kind of a twist to me. For me, the fact he was murdered was not a twist. What was a twist for me was, oh, it turns out that the hospital ship that got torpedoed was actually torpedoed by the submarine that rescued yeah. the survivors at the end of it. Especially because like at the beginning, there's this, this moment where they're like, we just came from there. Do we really have to go back and pick them up? And it's not until at the end of the movie, you're like, Oh, they, they don't want any survivors whatsoever because they don't want anybody to know about their fuck up man that was a twist but the twist with the twist oh but yeah it was the captain that was the bad guy dun 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 he was a malediction <laughs> look it up look it up oh my god <laughs> i just so there's literally a line in this movie is said multiple times by Zach Galifianakis, which I know you liked him in this movie, but I, I do not like Zach Galifianakis one bit. Just 
Why? I I I have never found him funny. I have yet to have watched him in a film and appreciated his acting job in that film. I just he doesn't he doesn't do it for me. You know what? I sue me. Um but so Zach Galifianakis is in this crew and his purpose in the story is, oh, he's the weirdo who likes dark shit so he can explain when the spooky things happen. Was his actual job on the summary? Fuck you. That's what his job is. Um, <laughs> he just, so he's like reading and he's like, we have a malediction. Malediction. Look it up. So he says it like two or three times. So finally me, I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm looking up malediction. In malediction, according to the dictionary, a magical word or phrase uttered with the intention of bringing about evil or destruction, semicolon, a curse. It, the way they use the, the way they use malediction in this movie is basically saying like, oh, the dead captain is a curse. We're calling him a malediction. Like they're using malediction as a synonym to curse, but it's not that a malediction is to, to say like, oh, damn you or something like that. Like you are speaking a curse towards something or about something. It's not physically a curse itself. And it makes me so goddamn like i don't know why i'm being pedantic about this but i am like if you're going to make it such a big part of this character's dialogue and he doesn't get it right it it's just ah <laughs> what did you think of zach galifianakis i liked him i'm still not sure what his job was on the ship was he just a, a hands-off mechanic was he a diver or it sounded, I don't know. It looked, he, it, it looked like he was just a see, diver, right? Well, that's the thing. So he he does repairs as a diver. He uh hangs out in the like the like sonar radio shack thing, but that's after everybody's dead. So it's like, hey, go do this. Not like this is your job. So I genuinely don't know what his actual job on that submarine is other than fuck you. That's what it is. <laughs> fuck you. That's I did. I, the one thing that I did appreciate about Zach Galifianakis uh, character is uh, his obsession with Cracker Jacks. Yeah. And like the, the obsession with Cracker Jacks, Cracker Jack jacks fuck crapper jacks i'm gonna have to bleep some shit out um penis penis um the thing about cracker jacks like it serves no point to this story other than just like oh it's his weird little autistic tick Um, but it made me laugh because it reminded me of a story about my dad so for those who haven't listened to our show before my dad he's uh He's an Air Force veteran. He spent a better part of like 25 years in the military. And he was in Iraq and Afghanistan and did Desert Storm and Panama, just everywhere, everywhere and anywhere. And uh, he told me this story and it was about the time that because Cracker Jacks doesn't give toys anymore. Um, They just have the little like little 
paper card things now. Uh, but right about the time that Cracker Jack stopped doing toys, he told me this story where he's like, yeah, or it was a little bit afterwards, whatever, fuck you. Um, he's like, yeah, I remember in Desert Storm when we were just uh, like doing the buildup, you know, very much like the scene in Jarhead where like, it's like several weeks or months. The There's troop buildup waiting for the invasion of Kuwait. And they're just sitting around, you know, doing their daily training exercises and being utterly bored out of their minds. And he got a box of Cracker Jacks and like a care package. And he opens up this box of Cracker Jacks and there isn't a toy in it. And my dad, being the fucking smart ass that he is, he wrote this like six page letter to the Cracker Jack company. And it was like. I'm a service member over in the Middle East and, you know, it's really hard over here. And all I was truly looking forward to is, you know, getting this toy from the Cracker Jack because it's one of the simplest, you know, pleasures I have over here. And the fact that I had a box that didn't have a toy just completely destroyed my morale, this, that, and the other. And he sent the letter off to the Cracker Jack Corporation and like a month later, they sent him a care package. It was filled with like dozens of boxes of Cracker Jacks and like T-shirts and like a history book about the company. Just all this nonsense. He's like, oh, man, I didn't expect that shit to work. <laughs> so less moral of the story. Complain. Yes. Be a Karen. I, um, my Karen story. Christ, I hate myself for saying that. But it was at a buddy's wedding of mine. And he had us order a very specific suit from a very specific company, which I will not name here, mostly because I forgot the name of the company. But we which didn't get friend? our. Ah, well, anyway, I'll bleep it out. Um, we didn't get our suits to like something ridiculous two weeks before the wedding, and we ordered it months in advance. And luckily, mine fit. In fact, I think all all of ours luckily fit. But at the wedding, I remember when we I remember when we got our uh, suits for Mitch's wedding. We got it like two days before. Yeah, we are. Eh, I hate it when they cut it close. But as I was saying, shit, what was I saying? Oh yeah, after the wedding, they were immediately kicking us out of the venue. So and we wouldn't be able to get back in until the next morning. Uh, okay, fine. I'll just get my my shit afterwards. You know, they'll they'll just lock it in overnight. I I remember where I put my suit jacket. It was draped over one of the arms of the couch in the groomsman's dressing room. Everything else ended up in my buddy's or in the groom's dad's truck, the back of it, mind you. Started raining heavily that night, so the, everything got drenched except for my suit coat, which is still in the venue for those keeping track at home. It wasn't there when um, then it come the next day. So I'm like, OK, where the hell's my suit jacket? And, you know, I, I messaged the venue like, hey, so I'm missing a suit jacket and it really needs to go back out because they're due like pretty much right away. 
and they're like oh yeah we'll search tomorrow to tomorrow comes and goes no word from them at all so i have to like break down their door their digital door by messaging them over and over again like hey have you found it and they're like oh sorry we forgot to message you we did in fact find your suit jacket and they sent a picture of it. i'm like okay were you gonna tell me if i didn't ask and it, it wasn't Probably. mine. it wasn't mine surprisingly but you know they they didn't send it to me i just had them send them directly to the company and i got a fine for being late on that and i sent them a very ranting email that's like hey you know this is kind of bullshit that you expect it back immediately and i didn't really get a chance like this you'll notice it wasn't even my suit jacket you know somebody took mine because they, they lost theirs which is this one and there's only ever one thief everyone after him is just trying to get their stuff back and this is that case and they said sorry you had a bad experience with us we're waiving the late fees i'm like okay that's cool oh. so complaining does get you places thank you so much still pisses me off though i should just buy my own suit but then again it might not be the right color the room and bride want hey. it's their day it's their day yeah you're right you're right i like i like to think that our wedding was pretty simple as far as the expectations went like hey black pants and a white shirt and this color of suspenders my god i was severely hung over for your wedding too oh i know mm. but i didn't throw up during the ceremony i'm still proud of myself i threw up beforehand ah classic but the hangover thankfully cured up uh cured up cleared up by the time of the reception so i was back at it god speaking intended. of vomit i was gonna say speaking of vomiting um I don't know about you, but the the scene where, um, see, I brought us back in. Um, <laughs> the scene where the fucking engine room blows up because of the hydrogen, which I was, I, since when is hydrogen, I don't know, fuck it, whatever, story purposes, I guess. Um, so the hydrogen filled engine room blows the fuck up. That it does. Um, and, and they go in after the fact to look for survivors. And uh, I got to say, this is one of the, I think this is the first film where we've had, no, this is second film that we've had like burned bodies, but like they really went all out for the uh, like effects makeup for the burned bodies on this. Yeah, they did. And it, it just kind of blew my mind, <laughs> blew my mind. Um, <laughs> Considering everything else that we have going on in this movie, that's shitty. That like that's the thing that they like. We're going to do this right. Yeah. Yeah, it, you know the explosion itself was too much for them to film, but they definitely got the makeup and the after effects of said explosion. Which, correct me if I'm wrong. But it's uh, if the helium or no hydrogen is in the room is enough for an explosion like that. Should they be breathing it in? Probably not. I don't know. Something tells, something tells me they're probably would be sick at that point. But 
and um fuck you that's the I, motto of this film is fuck you i did like that detail though when they for when they opened that door and there was a rush of wind because it was, all the oxygen was rushing to fill in that area because it all it all got flashed in that hydrogen explosion that was a uh, a good detail however Oh wait, that was a different uh-huh. door. They that was a different door they came in, right? Because the door that yeah. that jackass opened was a different one. Yeah, comma semicolon. Yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, what was your aside from the you're way out of fucking line? Um, what was your favorite scene in this film? Like I said, it was the uh, ballast tank scene when Weird Wally and them are just diving around fixing shit and we get some exposition on what actually happened when the captain fell. Turns out he wasn't fell. He was murder. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> A murder most foul. I, I think my favorite scene uh actually k is at the very end and not because the movie ended but the the scene where they the like they finally get on board of the ship that rescues them after the giant climatic battle that wasn't a giant climatic battle it's just give me the lantern no and it just starts randomly shooting the dead body that's impaled on the submarine um but the the like three or four survivors of this event make it onto the the rescue ship and we see the submarine slip beneath the waves and as it approaches the bottom we see it come to rest right next to the hospital ship that the submarine sank where it's like oh all is well the malediction is gone look it up um <laughs> i i thought that was a nice touch and i thought it was a good like visual scene was just seeing the submarine come to rest next to the cause of all of the uh curses and whatnot yeah malediction look it up i will I say just, go ahead or no you continue I was just looking at a list of all the submarine films ever made, and holy shit, our cup runneth over. And then you're saying uh, we should start a second podcast? Well, no. I mean, it'd be a cool themed podcast, yes, but hot sub on sub podcast. We haven't done the big two of submarine films yet. Um, Hunt for Red October. And das fuck, what was the other one? I j- just forgot it. Das Boot. Das Boot, that's right. Man, I'm going to go feel like Run Silent Run. I, I feel like Run Silent Run Deep is at the top oh, end of the... Uh, oh, yeah, it's definitely the, up there in the third. Top three, probably the top one. But we already did that, so I didn't count it. Man, I'm going to go out for Das Boot. I'm going to lock myself in a iron submarine for months on end drink rum and shit and eat only canned food so actually i had this idea that i really want to do with you um and you know what if 
we actually have more than seven listeners here. I would love to do a like like a get together party collaborative thing. But there is a museum uh fuck where is it? I think it's Wisconsin. But there's a museum that has a World War II submarine and they have it listed on Airbnb. And so basically what you can do is you can rent out this submarine for you and your group and like sleep overnight and like you have dinner there and like you sleep in the submarine. And I was like, how cool would that be to like you, me and, you know, some of our, our good friends who have joined us on this podcast throughout the past year and be like, okay, we're going to have a submarine movie night and then record an episode on the sub. Man, that'd be dope. Let's see. Where is it? It's in Manitowoc, Wisconsin. Ah. You know, where, uh, I got to be honest with you. I wasn't thinking Wisconsin for a submarine thing, museum, but. Let's see how much it costs. The USS Cobia. Cobia? Cobia? Six bedrooms, 65 beds, three baths. <laughs> Can host 16 plus guests. $500 for one night. Which, honestly, $500 to have a submarine to yourself for an evening seems like a steal. Yeah, I bet if we steal it, we'll get an even better price. Holy shit, it has Wi-Fi. Cool. <laughs> they didn't have that back in the day. No, they did not. So, you know, listeners, if you think that that's a fun idea, me and Jack can try and make that work. Damn right. That'd be see a great if, time. Uh, see if, like, Greg from the uh, Independent Seaport Museum will join us. Or maybe the the tattooed historian. Actually, JD from the History Underground, he has a, a video on his YouTube channel where he actually did that. Where, But he just, like, rented it out to himself. Which I have to imagine would be the creepiest shit ever being on a submarine all alone overnight <laughs> just the creaking and groaning and the captain you killed recently is whispering to you when you're trying to sleep that was a whale right yeah sure totally <laughs> never mind we're in wisconsin but what did you think of the fact that the captain never actually like fully appears like it's always just flashes and glimpses and he's like very obviously caught the cause of all of the nonsense poltergeist bullshit happening on the ship but like we never fully get the like disembodied ghost of captain ahab being like you can't be i mean we got him in flashbacks right no, we did get him in flashbacks, but I'm when I mean when he's actively haunting the submarine, all we ever get is like quick little glimpses of like ghost captain. And I just feel like it would have been very fitting for, you know, the guy that killed him to like lose his mind and like before he like kills himself or something like finally comes face to face with the captain that he sees and loses it kind of like how that one dude lost it and then just swam outside the submarine and got impaled <laughs> that was pretty fucking funny though 
I mean, I, I think it kind of added to the horror aspect of it, not seeing him fully. It just, it felt a little cock-teasy is all. Cock-teasy. What did you think of, uh, like, the very first hint of a haunting, which was uh, Sing 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 playing on the phonograph? <laughs> And it kept fucking playing until he went crazy and smashed it. Yeah, I mean, you've heard of the Telltale Heart. Now get ready for the sing, sing, sing. <laughs> Man, I... I bet Edgar Allan Poe would be jealous as shit of that as a storyline. Man. Also, how how else are we going to demonstrate that this movie is taking place during the 40s? I got it. Swing music. <laughs> but isn't the title card enough? Swing music. <laughs> What else was oh, I going to say? Yeah, during that scene in the ballast tank, I was fully expecting him to appear just like behind one of them and like pull them under shit, some shit. Something. Something. What I was surprised by was, you know, early on, uh, they kill one of the prisoners or one of the people they rescued. Um, Because, you know, we're already unhinged and... Our- are cool with killing our captain. So what's killing a German prisoner? Um, but so they have him loaded up and they're like, okay, when we surface, we're going to dump them off the side. Um, and they start getting like death charge and whatnot. And I was like, I was honestly shocked that like, there were a ton of tropes in this film that they chose not to take part of. And one of which was the trash gambit. And it's like, guys, you you have a body ready. Yeah, right. The other uh, trope that I actually really, really enjoyed them straying from or like doing differently was obviously we have our depth charge scene. But, you know, I mentioned in our last podcast that the one trope that I really look forward to is the like torpedo skimming along the side of the ship, but not actually exploding the the scene when they're getting death charge and the last depth charge that falls is a dud um and it just like lands on the deck of the ship and you hear this loud crash and as the ship keeps like sailing underneath the water or whatever you want to call it traversing it just keeps like bouncing on the deck and then it finally falls off the side and it's like that was a it's one of the few moments in this film that actually like made me feel tense and it's it's a moment like submarine films always make me tense at some point but i'm like when the depth charge was a dud and it's just bouncing along the deck i'm like holy shit that was a that was a truly great scene because it took a normal trope and really twisted it into something new and creative yep yeah i did i did really like that scene as well did you hold your breath Oh man, it was tense. But yeah, that that isn't that in and of itself, I guess, is you could call another submarine trope or dare I say cliche the splashes, tense waiting. And then the boom. Baba boy. I'm surprised we never talked about like the most problematic part of this film, which is how the sailors were talking as soon as they found out that like 
they're oh, picking yeah, up the wrong dimension. <laughs> I I was tempted. I was like, I might have to shut this fucking film off because I'm like, this is awful. Like, I, I'm we not got saying, a bleeder. Like, right. Not only that, they did it like seven different times. They're like, hey, we got three survivors. One of them's a bleeder. Hey, we got three survivors. One of them's a skirt. I'm like, Jesus Christ, guys, just fuck. Like, I get it. It's the 1940s and like there's sailors on a submarine and they, they haven't seen a female in weeks or months or fucking whatever. But like this is 2002. Why are we being so shitty about the dialogue? Why is it being extended so long? Yeah, no shit. Also, a bleeder. When is that? I have never heard that before. Oh, yeah, it's a hmm. lot to unpack there. We got three limeys. One of we got three tea bags. What? How how does everybody know all of these words? So Man, what are you drinking? That, I was so what are you drinking, drinking this a, evening. I was drinking a mellow yellow, but I have no uh, more mellow yellow. As as many a sailor has done in the past. Yep, the go-to drink of sailors everywhere. I do say so myself. As you might recall, I've been drinking a White Claw. But I'm refined. I took it out of the can and I poured it into a glass, so... Ah, not, much, much not better. So... Yeah, I ain't no frat boy. Is there anything else that you would like to touch on for this film? Hmm... You know, I'm trying to think. Kind of left me wanting more as a movie itself, you know? But I think this film proved the adage of, like, if you're going to compare yourself to another film, you're not going to be as good as that film. So this film, to me, was neither as good as U571, and it was not as good as Poltergeist. Yeah, I haven't seen Poltergeist, so I'm going to take your word for it. However, it's a a classic. However, semicolon. Do you um, you you think it's that time again? I think it is. Rotten Tommy Toes time. What do you think our, our rating metric ought to be? Hmm. Cracker Jack toys. Cracker Jack toys. I'm Which, down. I'm down for. At the end, when he opens it and it's a submarine, just flicks it off into the ocean. Like, nope, had enough of those. <laughs> One was almost my tomb. You know what? Cracker Jack submarine toy. All right, Cracker Jack submarine toys. So, the tomometer for this is sixty-six percent. And the audience score is 44%. I'm going to meet in the middle and give it a 55%. Which equals how many Cracker Jack toys? Five Cracker Jack toys and one, or five, yeah, five submarine Cracker Jack toys. But one of them, uh, but, and another one that's broken half. Ow. Are, are you doing this five out of 10? Well, I had to fucking reduce 55 to 100, so the best I could do is like five and a half. Okay. Shut I 
I will never watch this film again. I... I might watch it with friends. So I guess I, I guess on a one to five, it'd be a two out of five or two point five if that you want to go down to five. See, I can do some math. Right. So for me, I'm I'm never watching this film again. This film pissed me off a lot. I will say I appreciated the change up of like the depth charge bouncing off the deck thing, but everything else about this film was legit. Listeners, if, if this is my perspective, if you haven't watched this film yet and your only metric of whether or not to watch this film is hearing this review, don't fucking watch it. Don't. It's not worth your time. Don't don't waste the three dollars on YouTube. Like save an hour and 45 minutes of your life on something better. Just this this film to me is a fucking Cracker Jack box with no toy. It's a fucking zero. He feels very passionate about his submarine movies, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my god. So yeah, fucking zero. Maybe uh, a half of a broken submarine Cracker Jack if we're on a 10 scale. But So yeah, I think that about does it for this review. You sound done. Oh, we'll keep going. Because you are way out of fucking line. <laughs> All right. So as we had mentioned last week, uh, we will be having a guest on for our next episode. And she is big into Scottish history, which means we will be watching Mel Gibson's epic Braveheart. Kerpla! Kerpla! I'm actually I'm looking forward to this. It it, it it's a long movie, but I I enjoy it. So I can't wait to to have everything I've known about it be ripped to shreds. <laughs> what do you mean Mel Gibson doesn't have? I don't know. Fucking whatever. Um. So yeah, that'll be next week. Do you have anything else, Jack? Nothing. All right, well, if you have enjoyed this episode or have enjoyed any of our previous episodes, please leave a review. The stars do matter. If you'd like any additional content from us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at the Armchair Commanders Podcast. We also have a Discord server under the same name. We also have a YouTube channel called the History Apprentice channel. So go ahead and give that place a sub if you'd be so inclined. Until next week, I've been John. And I'm Jack. And we will catch you all later. Bye.